Uh, in a moment, we're going to be looking at John uh, chapter 16. Uh, but before we do, uh, let me ask you a question. What one thing do you think would most help you in your walk with God? What one thing, think about it, what one thing do you think would most help you in your walk with God? Now, I'm sure if we were to, to go around and ask people to give their answers, it might, it might take a while. Um, but I'm sure we get a variety uh, of answers. Uh, but here in John uh, chapter 16, Jesus shows us what we need most. Uh, so please uh, do uh, grab yourself a Bible and turn to page uh, 902. We'll find John uh, chapter 16. Uh, but before uh, we read, why don't I pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it shows us who you are. We thank you that it shows us uh, what your Son has done for us, what your Spirit can do in and through us. So gracious Father, by your Spirit, please speak to us now so that we may know you better and love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be starting at uh, chapter 4, sorry, verse 4, starting under the, but halfway through, so starting uh, under the heading, the work of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said this, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is God's word. So this morning, uh, we're with Jesus, uh, the night uh, before he dies. This is part of a a long uh, section in John's gospel uh, where Jesus is uh, teaching his uh, disciples. Uh, Yet time and time again, Uh, we see the disciples being so wrapped up in their own concerns, uh, they fail to uh, see that Jesus' mission is not only different uh, from what they expect, but also far, far better. Which brings me uh, to my uh, first point. Remember that the will of the Father is perfect. In verse uh, 5 of our reading, Jesus says to the disciples, I am going to him who sent me, 
and none of you asked me, where are you going? Now, at first glance, this, this seems a bit rude, does it not? Um, Jesus has been with them for, uh, for three years, and uh, you know, he surely has become their, their best friend. Um, but none of them seem to want to know where he's going. Seems a bit rude. But if you were to flick back to uh, chapter 13, uh, to verse 36, you'd see Simon Peter asking Jesus, Lord, where are you going? And then the following verse, he asks, Lord, why can I not follow you now? So what exactly is going on here? Has Jesus just forgotten what Peter has said? Well, it seems to me that when Peter is asking these questions, he's more concerned by the fact that Jesus is leaving rather than trying to understand exactly what Jesus' departure is going to achieve. Um, Imagine um, one Friday evening, um, I say to uh, my eldest son, Jack, that the following day uh, I'll take him to Exhibition Park. Now, no doubt he'd be very excited by this. Uh, Exhibition Park has a really good park. It also has this massive slide that he loves uh, whizzing down. And it also has a cafe which sells ice cream. But better than that, it sells blue ice cream. Like, what could be more exciting? Okay, I don't get it either, but then again, I'm not five. Um, But imagine the following day, uh, I get a call from Ken, and he said, Dave, we had a break-in last night. All of the PA equipment has gone. Uh, Can you sort out something uh, for tomorrow? At which point I realize I'm going to have to cancel my plans for the day and run around, try and find some uh, replacement equipment uh, so we can hear what's being said and sung from the front the following day. Now, as I try and um, make my excuses to Jack and explain uh, the situation, make my way towards the door, he might turn to me and say, where are you going? Now, in that moment, he's, he's not concerned where I'm going. He's more upset because the plans have come to nothing. Likewise, when Jesus announces he's leaving, he sees into the hearts of the disciples and sees that they're filled with sorrow. For the disciples, life with Jesus was the best life that there was, and they didn't want that to change. You see, they had their own ideas of what being with Jesus would bring. They thought he was going to overthrow the oppressive Roman rule of the time, and Jesus' departure would surely bring an end to that. But once again, uh, they're misguided by their own thinking as they fail to see that Jesus' departure will actually be to their benefit. They fail uh, to see that God's will is far better than their own. But isn't that true of us too? We fail to see how God may be working in our lives. So sometimes when things don't go our way, we, we give in to frustration or despair. Romans 8.28 says that for those who love God, all things work together for good. But do we see that? Do we see that what God brings about is good and is what is best? Now, please don't think what I'm saying here is that we should all be happy uh, all the time because what God brings about uh, is best and is good God always brings about what is according to his will, but it doesn't necessarily mean it'll be enjoyable. God may well be bringing you through crippling or perplexing situations right now, 
Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's ill health or walking alongside someone who is experiencing ill health. Maybe it's months of unemployment that show no sign of ending. Or maybe it's being stuck in a job that you really dislike and there seems to be no way out. Now we can sometimes feel like we know what is best. But we need to pray like Jesus. On the night before he died, knowing he was going to die, pray to his Father, yet not my will, but yours be done. He didn't pray, not my will, but yours be done, as long as you don't do this, that, or the other. But rather, he fully entrusted himself to his loving Heavenly Father. Now, we don't always know what reasons God may have for bringing us through certain situations. But in those moments, we need to walk by faith and not by sight and remember that the will of the Father is perfect. So that's my first point. Here's the second. Remember what the Spirit can do. Let's look at uh, verse 7 of our reading where Jesus says this. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. So the reason for Jesus' departure is so that the helper or the spirit uh, will come. But why would that be of any advantage to the disciples? Jesus was the man who could heal people. Uh, He could raise the dead. He could provide uh, taxes out of the mouths of fish. And to top it all off, he could feed thousands of people when only one person uh, had brought a packed lunchbox to a big gathering. See, Jesus was the man who could provide you with food, finances, and life itself. And isn't that what everyone's after? The disciples must have been thinking, come on, Jesus, don't go now. You're giving us what everyone wants. But there's the problem. What the world wants and what the world needs Two completely different things. The Bible makes it clear that we all need saving. We may all want health, wealth, and prosperity, but we need saving. But sadly, we're all too blind uh, to see that, which is why the Spirit coming into the world would be an advantage, not just to the disciples, but also to us. Verses uh, 8 to 11, Jesus tells us of three ways in which the Spirit will come to open the eyes of a blind world. Let's look at these verses where Jesus uh, says, And when he, that's the Spirit, comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, twice uh, in that passage, we hear the word world. But when you uh, think of the word world, what comes to mind? Maybe you think of a globe. Uh, Maybe you think of other countries around the world. Uh, Maybe that's home for you or was home for you. Or maybe you think of friends and and family uh, in uh, those countries. Well, in John's gospel, 
whenever the word world is used, it's generally used to convey darkness or ignorance. So when we read of the spirit coming into the world, when we're reading about the spirit coming to convict those who live in ignorance and live as if God is not there. So the spirit will come to convict uh, the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But what does that all mean? Well, let's look at all three uh, closely, uh, starting with sin. In verse 9, Jesus says that the Spirit will convict concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So Jesus is telling us that the heart of sin is not recognizing Jesus for who he really is. Now, many people would say they believe in Jesus, or say they believe that he existed, and as a, as a result would say they believe in him. But what Jesus is saying goes much, much deeper. Um, it looks like it's going to be a bit of a, a sunny day today. Um, so like uh, all true Geordies, you should make the most of the sun uh, by spending all day in the metro center. Yeah, I don't, don't get why they do that either. But hey, um, if you were to go to the metro center uh, from here, the best way to get there would to be to go across uh, the Scotswood Bridge. Now, whether you're driving over there or walking, um, you'll happily go over it with complete trust that the bridge will help you cross over the River Tyne. You, you probably won't doubt it. Likewise, when Jesus is talking about people not believing in him, he's talking about people not actively putting their trust in him as Lord and Savior. So the Spirit will come to convict people of their sin of unbelief in Jesus. Secondly, the Spirit uh, will convict the world concerning righteousness. Because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Now if you are wanting a good uh, definition of righteousness, uh, you could look at a dictionary. Um, one online dictionary describes it as being morally right or justifiable. Um, but if you were to ask, who does righteousness look like? Uh, people might think you're a little bit odd. Um, you know, people might accuse others of being self-righteous. But you wouldn't say of someone, oh, isn't it wonderful how righteous he is? Unless, of course, you were talking about Jesus. You see, Jesus' righteousness exposed the sinfulness of the people around him. But with Jesus going to the Father... The Spirit will come to convict the world of its need of a Savior. It will expose their lack of righteousness and help them see that they need Jesus. Now, every day we give in to the lie, don't we? That we're in the right. But we need to pray, for those of us who are trusting in Jesus, that the Spirit would convict us of true righteousness. Thirdly, Jesus says that the Spirit uh, will come uh, to convict the world concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, when Jesus speaks of the ruler of this world, uh, he's talking about God's great enemy, the devil. The one who wants nothing more than to see people live in ignorance of him and in opposition to God. But despite uh, Satan's uh, power to tempt us to sin and to blind the minds of unbelievers, he has no control over his future destiny. Revelation 20 tells us that Satan will be thrown into the fire of sulfur where he will be tormented day and night forever and ever. 
Now, his future is certain. But sadly, so is the future of those of whether knowingly or not, stand with him and in opposition to God. Here in John 16, Jesus is saying that another way in which the Spirit will come to convict is to help people see the realities of judgment to come and to make them ask the question, do you want to stand with Jesus, our loving, gracious Savior who offers us the joy of heaven? Or do we want to stand with Satan whose future is eternal destruction? Now, I'm aware that most of us here this morning are trusting in Jesus as our Lord and Savior and are completely aware of our need to go and tell others uh, about him. But let me ask you the question, how prepared do you feel to go and tell others? Um, a few months ago, I was chatting to my friend David. Uh, he works at a, a church in uh, London doing a similar role uh, to me. Um, and he told me that his wife had just given birth uh, to their third child. Uh, and he said to me, I'm so hopeless at evangelism outside the house. I thought it would be good to have more people inside the house to tell about Jesus. <laughs> now, like some of you, when he told me that, I laughed. But I didn't laugh because he was, I thought he was being pathetic but because I could completely sympathize with what he was saying. And I wonder, how, how do you feel about your efforts with telling others about Jesus? If you're thinking not good, then what do you think would help? Well, there are a, a large number of resources out there which would seek to equip us to tell others. But please remember what Jesus is teaching us here in John 16 is that our confidence should solely be in the work of the Holy Spirit, who will convict those who do not believe of the truths of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. In the book of Acts, we see these once uh, hopeless disciples become uh, people who uh, told others about Jesus who died uh, for the sin of the world and rose again. And as a result, the church saw huge growth but this didn't happen because of their skills uh, as evangelists. Um, Acts 2.47 tells us that it was the Lord who added to their number day by day those who were being saved. By the power of uh, the Holy Spirit, God used the disciples to turn the world upside down. And that could be you too. So we must remember that it's only by the power of the Spirit that blind eyes are opened to see Jesus, no matter how confident we may feel at telling others. Finally, the Spirit will convict, come to reveal God's word to the disciples, and in doing so, we must remember that God's word is reliable. Now, when you, you look at one of these, what do you see? Um, obviously, it's a Bible. But, but what do you see? What is, what is within it? Um, for some, it's just an outdated book. Uh, for others, it's uh, words about God, but not words by God. But what is it? Well, I and many others believe that this is God's word. But how can we be sure? 
Well, whatever your opinion, it does require some element of faith. But here, in uh, chapter 16, uh, Jesus gives us a clear and compelling argument for understanding that what we have here is God's word. Uh, In verses uh, 12 to 15 of chapter 16, uh, Jesus says this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now these verses never, uh, never cease to blow my mind. The spirit was going to teach the, the, the disciples uh, new things. Many things that Jesus had not yet taught them. But in addition to that, in John chapter 14 and verse 26, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So not only was the Spirit going to teach the disciples things that Jesus hadn't yet told them, he was also going to help them remember all that he had taught them. So given what we have in the New Testament was either written or affirmed by those who were with Jesus, we can have great confidence that what we have before us is God's word. Now, there's so much more in the Bible that would affirm what we have in front of us is uh, God's word. But if you're still unconvinced, then ask yourself this. What kind of God would allow a book to be written about him, which says that it is his word, yet contain lies and allow it to be in existence for almost 2,000 years. But for those of you who do believe that this is uh, God's word, do you really treat it as such? Now, in uh, 2015, the word FOMO was added to the Oxford English Dictionary. That's right, FOMO. They'll add anything to the dictionary these days. But for those of you who don't know uh, what it means, it's an acronym uh, for fear of missing out and is generally uh, associated uh, with um, constantly checking social media out of fear of missing out on something important, like things such exist on social media. But I wonder, what do you worry missing out on? Maybe, maybe it is social media. Maybe you just feel a constant need to swipe down and refresh and see if anything new is there. Maybe uh, it's the latest football scores. Maybe you've not been able to go to a match or it's not on TV and you're constantly checking to see if there's any update. Or maybe it's your favorite TV program. Maybe you're putting off other things because you just really want to catch up on a TV program that everyone else has been watching. Now, I'm not saying that necessarily any of those things uh, are bad. But one of the things that we should hate to miss out, the thing that we should hate to miss out, is time with God in his word and in prayer. Now, I don't want to play down the fact that many of us do have uh, busy lives, but God in his mercy has spoken to us and wants to speak to us, even though we have no right to hear from him. So surely listening to him should be our greatest priority every single day. Now maybe you feel like you don't want to read the Bible for yourself. 
You feel distant from God and feel that he won't want to talk to you even if you were to look at the Bible. Well, remember that we never earn favor with God by reading our Bible, but through Jesus' death in our place. God wants us to know him better and love him more. But like any relationship, it takes time and effort. I recently uh, heard of a minister uh, who said this. In pretty much every pastoral situation I've had to handle, I've found that the people involved have stopped reading their Bible and stopped meeting with others to read the Bible. Now, when I first heard that, I found that quite eye-opening. But what do you make of it? Maybe you feel like reading the Bible on your own uh, or with others in midweek groups won't make much of a difference. But let me tell you that it does make more of a difference than maybe you think. So we should be making time to read God's word individually and uh, together in groups. We should be making it a top priority of our weeks. Now it's fair to say that our, our faith is in the person and work of Jesus Christ. But being together and sitting under God's word and discussing it a means of grace which God has given us to know him more and love him more. But coming along on a Sunday or to a midweek group on a Wednesday is not just uh, for your benefit, but it's also for the benefit of those around you. So as far as well as coming for your own good, come for the good of others and think about how you can be best encouraging them in their faith. Now, if you're not part of a, a midweek group, then please do speak to uh, Ken or uh, Ben at the end of the service. And if you uh, aren't, are part of a home group, then please don't put off attending. And if there are practical obstacles uh, getting in your way from attending, pray that God would provide a solution so that you would be able to attend. God has created us to be in community uh, with himself and with one another. And he wants to speak to us through his word. Now at the beginning, I asked you, what do you think would most help you in your walk with God? What one thing would most help you? Well, hopefully you've seen the answer is God himself by his spirit. So wherever you feel that you may be struggling to live for God, whether it's accepting his will, whether it's telling others about Jesus, or struggling to have any joy in his word, remember that the will of the Father is perfect. Remember what the Spirit can do. And remember that God's word is reliable. And remember that uh, the God the Father, uh, through his Son, has done all that is needed for us to be forgiven. And by his Spirit, strengthens us to live for him. Now it would be good to pray. And I can't think of a better way to pray than the words of this uh, next song.